0: Hello everyone, welcome to the new episode of Everyday Talkies. Now, before you jump on to listening to this episode, wait, take a breath, smile. Get your regular dose of life-changing entropy here on Everyday Talkies. Hello guys, welcome to the new episode of Everyday Talkies. We are back with another episode of Review Corner and this week we are reviewing Loki. I don't know when this is coming out again. If this is out of uh, fashion, please guys watch Loki again or listen to our review. And we have Pushkar back again. Hello. Hello. I guess people are just bored listening to you now. Too many episodes.
1: I hope not to secure a permanent position here and then slowly take over the podcast. Okay, you didn't hear that.
0: I think they heard of this plan in our most famous episode. I still wonder, how is it still gaining? Like how are people still listening to it? I, I have no idea. And uh, people who are wondering what, that, what episode I'm talking about, that's the happy birthday to us episode.
1: I guess people just really want you to uh, drop a contract and make our podcasting official.
0: The thing is, it's sad, but our Amazon affiliate license got cancelled. So we're not earning any money anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. No need for a contract then. <laughs> but uh, anyway, coming back to the topic, uh, we're reviewing today... The latest Marvel Studios television? No, streaming service series, uh, Loki, which is about, uh, as you can guess, Loki.
0: You know, as the tradition goes, I'll just brush through this IMDB logline and just not pay too much attention to it. So, it goes something like this. The mercurial villain, Loki, resumes his role as the god of mischief in a new series that takes up place after the events of Avengers Endgame. Well, this logline tells us nothing new, but okay. Pushkar when you watched this movie, what was the first word that struck your mind? The first episode? When I watched this series. Yeah, Yeah, sorry.
1: The first word, I guess, would be uh, sci-fi. I mean, uh, this is about as essentially sci-fi as you get, like, you know, you had, like, old sci-fi shows like uh, Space... What was it? Space 3000 or something it was called. There was a show called... There was Doctor Who, obviously, you had other shows like Lost in Space and stuff like that. Quantum Leap, for example. These procedural shows that are about basically exploring the weird corners of your imagination and kind of bringing it to reality and uh, this show was very much because it has like marvel's backing it was very much that for me
0: you know initially i wondered how would like how can marvel afford these people but man like they're releasing episode after episode and they just launched they just announced that season two will be coming yeah
1: i mean uh dude they made like 2.7 billion on uh endgame so i don't think they have like a shortage of money
0: yeah sorry spoilers guys uh for you know, all of that. I don't know, like, if you're tuning into this episode, take all of this into consideration. Loki has been released for a, a month at least after when this episode is released, so please watch it on Disney Plus Hotstar and all of that. Uh, we watched it through very legit means. Please uh, pay for the subscriptions and watch it. And uh, yeah, uh, let's dive into the episode. Or you know the series, the first impression, I think. Let's go with that. Pushkar, do you want to start us off? Uh,
1: like I said before, this is very much uh, an old school sci-fi show but with a Marvel budget. And uh, I guess we will get more into the details of the show because while I love this show, it is, uh, like I said in my Instagram story, it is like an immaculately crafted piece of sci-fi art. I don't think it's my favorite Marvel show. I I still think WandaVision is emotionally better and Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, I think, still my favorite of all the shows we've seen. But Loki is still like, I mean, it's not really a grading scale, but Loki is like its own thing that I love for very different reasons uh, than for what I love, like, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter
0: Soldier. You know, since you're talking about that, let's talk about that. Marvel has taken, I don't know, it's a risk or it's a creative decision, but they made these three different shows completely different. Like, I don't know, like, at what point you can compare, you know, you, you have the traditional methods, like, you know, character comparison and scene and all. Leave that aside, but from a story point of view, from a creative direction, like, WandaVision was completely different. It shattered all, like, I had never seen such a show ever where you had, you know, the old television era coming back and reenacting those and that is where people fell off after the first few episodes of Water Vision. I still hate them because because of them, I did not watch the show because people were saying it was bad. Thanks to you, I watched it again. I watched it and it's like one of the greatest shows ever. And similarly, uh, for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you could never imagine Captain America to be anyone else. But that show justified why Falcon should be the next Captain America. But yeah, coming back to Loki, for me... Loki, like I was super excited by it because obviously there was all sci-fi and time and TV and all of that. All the hype was going around, so I was like, yeah, I want to watch this. And when all of the episodes dropped, I binge[d] it together. And yeah, truly, it's really, really amazing. I was always wondering that how would they make a uh, series, a, a palatable series, with the character who's already dead. You know the end of this character. Sometimes what you want more in a series is that uh, sense of unexpectedness, right? That sense of surprise. And you know that Loki, is dead, so what happens? I didn't have any imagination, but uh, this series surpassed all of that. And I think it won me over the time uh, they threw all the Infinity Stones on the desk. I'm like yeah. This is- before
1: like the show even comes out, I like even if I want to or I don't want to, I kind of sort of um, I'm surrounded by so much of this information that I know before going in like you know what the TVA is or like uh, what the show is going to be about like very loosely because I've seen like trailers and uh, like news here and there on Twitter and stuff like that. But you have like no idea where any of it is going, right? So you had like no concept of TVA or.
0: Yeah, I just knew that there was some time traveling stuff because I purposefully try to avoid, basically I shut off, not shut off, but yeah, I try to unfollow all these, like basically I unfollowed Marvel from Insta now and Twitter as well because I don't want to know the updates, I don't want to know anything about it because I really want to enjoy it from a fresh perspective because, see, I know whenever I talk to you about these shows, you have the whole background from comics, from all these different sources, which I'll get anyway, so I thought that, you know, let's just go into this, you know, as raw as it can be and then I know you will give me all the, you know, tidbits here and there, okay. But you know, let's break the usual pattern. We usually talk about characters and scenes and all of that, we will do all of that. But let's talk about the last episode. Let's talk about the person at the end of time.
1: You wanna start you wanna start backwards, okay. Okay, sure, sure. Why not? let's do it unconventionally. like obviously like i have more of a, a context here about that last episode than you do so let's start with you how did you feel about the last episode and how the show ended whether you guys spoilers like watch the show whatever um just like we're gonna start backwards and make our way up to the front so anyway what did you think of the last
0: episode last episode it really blew my mind because you know There was this five-episode hype that who would be the person at the end of time or void and all of that. And it was such a crazy uh, premise that was going on that there was a sacred timeline. And somebody was protecting it and we had no free will. I'm like, I know we have no free will. I did an episode on that, guys, check that out. (laughs) But, you know, um, seeing that, and you know, there's a reasoning there that, that a person purposefully designed the timeline in such a way that things go in this order. I was like, I need to meet this person, this person will be a devil or something or the other and they completely flipped the expectations, he was like a common man and all of that. And then they made a reference of 31st century it linked back to Star Trek. I'm like, why does everything happen on 31st century? Is 31 a cool number?
1: I just, <laughs> oh, shit. I did not even make that connection.
0: Yeah, I'm like, what the hell? Like, 31st century 1, Federation is not there. It's dead. And this person is just meeting versions of itself in, across the timelines and starting wars across timelines. And that is where it it's, it's sunken for me. That, yeah, we had previously these aliens as the villains in Avengers and then with Thanos in Endgame and all of that. Yeah, I mean, it started with Loki, right? Yeah, it started with Loki, correct, correct. But with all of that, and now... Come, ending with such a high villain like high stakes villain i did not think that anything could be as powerful or more powerful than the infinity stones and basically destroying half of universe but then they just bought up multiverse and there are timeline wars i'm super excited about what's happening next
1: yeah so uh, a little bit of a background on this so this character that comes in in the last episode he's actually a character from the comics and uh, in the show he's referred to as he who remains so himself uh, a comic book villain called kang the conqueror so, this character, uh, like he says in the show, is from the 31st century and he figured out the multi- like how to get between uh, universes and that created a whole war and he's trying to, basically, uh, this was his solution to kind of uh, stop the multiversal war because the multiversal war was essentially different versions of him fighting each other for control of universes, right?
0: Pushkar, uh, can I stop you there? I know you'll give me the treatment but did you link this with what we are doing with consumption? How so? The thing was, see one timeline has an added advantage in technology. And because of the exchange in technology and trying to gather more and more land, they acquire different timelines. It's just the same human philosophy, or I don't know, yeah, human yeah. or living philosophy where they try to acquire more and more land because they are technologically superior or something or the other. And this is what happens with multiversal wars as well.
1: I guess that makes sense. Uh, you know, one interesting fact that I know about Kang the Conqueror, that is, um, that, that will kind of blow your mind. So, um, Like, he says that he's a human from the 31st century, right? So, do you know what his human name is? In the comics, his human name, like, the character is originally, before he becomes Kang, is Nathaniel Richards. And Nathaniel Richards is supposed to be descended from Reed Richards, who is uh, Mr. Fantastic, who's going to be, like, in the Fantastic Four movie that's eventually going to be coming out from. Like, Marvel is planning to make a Fantastic Four movie eventually. So, essentially... We have a character who's now introduced at the start of Phase 4 and he's going to be till the very end of Phase 4. Because Fantastic 4 is like the supposed to be the end of Phase 4 and he's going to be at the very end. So, we have like more or less uh, our next big villain after Thanos.
0: That was evident after the you know post-credit, end-credit, whatever scene that was. Um, okay, we'll talk about that, but let me wrap my hand around all of this, so read. I don't know, there were so many uh, introductions, like they also, in the last scene itself, right? Or I don't know, in the first scene, they mentioned. About vampires. And then I searched that (laughs) there's a villain coming up which is a vampire, apparently.
1: It's not a villain. I mean, there is a villain called Mobius, but that he belongs to Sony and that's a whole different thing. But that vampire thing was more in connection to, there's a character called Blade. I don't know if you know uh, who that is. So, Blade is like a vampire hunter. He's like an anti-hero. And uh, recently they announced that they're making a Blade movie with uh, Marshal Ali, who's a really good actor. But yeah, anyway, that's what that was about.
0: But yeah, you were saying me about something about Kang the Conqueror.
1: Go ahead. Yeah, so Kang the Conqueror, what I find very interesting about him is uh, he's not really a conventional villain because he's not... So, like, we got two different versions of Thanos in Infinity War and Endgame, right? You had, like, a Thanos who was at the yeah. end of his journey and then in Endgame, we got a Thanos that was in the middle of his journey and he kind of jumped through time. Correct. So, essentially, now what we have is Kang who is who, who basically sets up this choice for our like two lokis that if you kill me you start a multiversal war which will unleash like uh, you know countless versions of kang so now that you know he who remains is dead we have like so many different versions of kang and essentially what that means is um, you can bring in different writers for different projects and you can just insert kang as a villain but he's like a different version of kang you know so you can do any number of things with it
0: so i guess basically the solution would be what to find the kang the sacred kang and then unite the timeline again i
1: uh, i have no idea because because look, even that is like it's circular in a way because kang says that either you kill me and you have like a multiversal war with infinite versions of me or you let me live and this go, goes on the way it is and so if he dies and if there's a multiversal war he says that it will end up with this anyway like that one of the kangs will uh, you know basically um either take over all the uh, the whole multiverse or he will come up with the same solution and isolate all the uh, isolate one timeline and create that as like the sacred timeline, and it will kind of end up in the same place anyway so it's like it's a very uh, circular thing.
0: okay tell me this okay first of all two points here i don't know why does every important person in the world needs to be a human that's the nature of things and because the universe is so huge <laughs> and this multiverse i don't know why this one person, like who is basically God, Marvel God, basically, uh, he's a human, but uh, nonetheless. But even though there was a technology based on to it, right? Even he, like I thought that this person who is you know beyond the end of time, he would be like what a sorcerer, a magician. He would like all have all powers and all that. I had like different imagination, but then he came to be a human who was controlling with his own own tempad things, and I understood. Okay, there is a technology at play here, and technology rules everything. That is one point. And the second point is this whole thing with Sylvie and Loki, red pill and blue pill, basically. So Loki tried to save the timeline, rule it, and uh, Sylvie was like, kill it. What would you have done?
1: I mean, I would definitely kill Kang just because I love chaos and I'm looking (laughs) forward to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So you know,
0: the multiverse comes from. It's like plot
1: necessity. We have to kill it, but because see, the problem is, what happens even if you don't kill Kang and the two versions of Loki take over? It's like. At some point, they are going to come at odds. And at some point, it's going to be the same situation that it was uh, with, you know, uh, the other Kang, with, with Kang and his infinite version.
0: But with Kang, you know, there are infinite versions. With Loki there would maximum be two timelines. Sylvie's timeline and Loki's timeline fighting
1: with each other but, no, but we thing. saw there were other Lokis right so essentially uh what happens is what Kang mentioned was it uh, when when they discovered the multiverse like Kang discovered other versions of himself he said that it was a narcissistic self-congratory uh, self-congratulatory piece yeah. and what we see with Loki essentially is that Loki falls in love with himself so it, the whole pattern of Loki finding Sylvie and the first five episodes follows essentially the same path as uh, Kang finding out different versions of himself. So what's what's to stop like and we know that Loki's are essentially villains. So what's to stop them from stop the Loki's from kind of going to war with each other until uh, essentially one Loki remains and you Kang and it starts all over again. So you know it, like, the whole show kind of goes in a circular way. Like that's I think a very uh, genius way of plotting the show uh, or like just plotting the whole uh, multiverse essentially that uh, in the end it all just keeps on going in circles it's a paradox but it's not because you end up back in the same place anyway like the structure
0: is the same this is from bird's eye view. You look at the whole series and you understand all of that. But when I when that scene was going on, right, there was this heated argument and a fight between Sylvie and Loki towards the end where they were fighting for their own reasons. I was you know, every time when this comes, whenever there is an impossible decision to make something of these Sophie's choice type things, I try to make a decision, I try to reason my way into it. And I really could not. Because at one end Sylvie was fighting for free will. It makes absolute sense. And on the other end, Loki was logical that I know free will is an important thing. But this would like lead to uh, lesser of the wars. two evils. Yeah, it's lesser of the two evils. And you know, after reading that, humans can't even control their own shitty brain. I don't even know. And it's all a product of genetic things, your surroundings and all of that. Three will is already at a toss. I was like, yeah, I would just avoid war. I'm a non-confidential being that way. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I like chaos. I would definitely go with plan, Even if I did not have a personal vendetta, I would just be like, screw it. Just like, let's have chaos.
0: <laughs> Uh, but then all the other, uh, towards the end, then let's talk about the post-credit scene, where basically Loki uh, Sylvie pushes Loki into some place and Loki realizes that he is in a different timeline where the TVA is there and supporting Kang and I'm sure there will be multiple TVAs at war, multiple Kangs at war and all of that is happening. Imagine the helplessness. You are in an entirely different timeline with no context.
1: Yeah, I mean that's what the, the there's a like the shot. First of all, like we, uh, we'll get to that, uh, we'll get to the direction of the show, how well directed, how well shot this is. But there's just that moment at the end where you just, there's like a small like zoom in on Tom Hiddleston's face. And in his face, like he doesn't have to say anything. You can just feel the whole betrayal, the helplessness, uh, the, everything that he's going through. And before it just kind of ends on a fucking shitty ass cliff, cliffhanger that I like, I
0: don't know how I'm gonna wait for now. Marvel has this epic knack of make, in making the most hated characters the most loved ones. Like, I empathize with Loki to the max now. Like, I hated him after first Avengers, And, like, I don't know how this happened, how this sudden change happened. To be fair, like, a lot of people loved Loki from the start. Yeah, but the thing was, there was this whole weird moment on, you don't know how you should react. Because Loki falling in love with Loki, but from a different timeline. Like, is it narcissistic? Is it incest? Like, what is happening here? I have no clue. Like, should I be uh, like, should I be should I be supportive of that? Is this politically correct? Like, what is... I just left all of three thousand out the window. But towards the end, I felt bad when Loki was like betrayed. I'm like, damn, this is this should not be. it. But with that, okay, I asked. Yeah, poor this, guy, like, fell months. in love
1: for the first time. He trusted yeah. someone for the first time, and now he's the one who's like betrayed because Loki is always the one betraying everybody, right? And now he's the one who's like, uh, uh, who's. Uh, been betrayed and who's uh, kind of lost lost the love that he gave and all that stuff you know it's 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 wonderful stuff and it's it's written really well
0: like even though loki betrayed so many times we should be okay right that he got betrayed once like it makes sense yeah. the numbers are in his favor yeah. but still we feel bad but that's a sideline yeah you were saying something
1: right <laughs> no i mean it's, it's 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 an important point like it's the show does a really good job of uh, connecting us to loki in such a way that um, even though he's even though he feels bad in a in, in a karmic way that it is maybe he deserves to feel that way but we still feel feel bad for him uh but yeah what i was coming at is um there is a reason like why this show feels so weird and loopy. it's because um the head writer on the show was uh, is my his name is michael waldron and he is one of the writers on rick and morty so this show yeah this show very much like also draws inspiration from uh not inspiration draws inspiration but it is more or less very similar to rick and morty in a way because you have like multiverses and time loops and all this stuff uh that was only one of my points my other big point about this show and why it feels so different and uh just to applaud how how amazingly uh, crafted it is uh what i found like very interesting was that this show a lot of the, the you know big names who are behind the show are all like female which rarely happens there aren't many movies or shows uh, out there throughout history and even today that have as much female presence as this show had so the director of the show uh, her name is Kate Haran, She's female. The cinematographer, she's female. The editor, she's female. Uh, the costume designer is female. Uh, the uh, woman who composed that that amazing, you know, synth track, you know, score. Uh, her name is Natalie Holt. Uh, so everyone who worked on the show is female, which is a very like, a, it's just an interesting rarity for a show, uh, for like a big budget show like this.
0: And kudos to all of them for making it such a big
1: yeah. Show. Yeah, I just wanted to basically mention that, and uh, also yeah. An interesting thing I found was one of the writers on the show is going to be the head writer uh, on Miss Marvel, so I'm looking forward to that as well.
0: Okay, so let me ask you this stuff. This is like the biggest question of your livelihood. Okay, sure, sure. Which Loki was your favorite? Uh, alligator Loki. There's, there's no, there's no question. It's Alligator Loki. <laughs> See, I knew, you know he would answer that. Everyone would answer that. But okay, he's like a different, you know, different competition, right? He wins wherever yeah. he's put. Yeah, so yeah. Let's keep him aside.
1: Other than that. Uh, I think another obvious answer would be uh, classic Loki, like the old Loki. That was because you know, like I love like old goofy stuff, right? So. When, uh, when that Loki popped up played by uh, Richard E. Grant who's like a fantastic actor if you haven't seen uh, any other of his movies he's he's very fantastic even in interviews and stuff that guy is like amazing but yeah so when he showed up as a uh, classic Loki with that ridiculous costume I was immediately in love like I did not even have to watch episode 5 just episode four's end I saw him and I was like okay this is my favourite Loki
0: yeah for me obviously he wins but then I also found that kid Loki a uh, super hilarious he just mentions towards the end, I killed Thor. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> How did the timeline survive? It's
1: like... great. It's great. It's great. Oh, by the way, did you catch all the Easter eggs in episode 5, like Frog Thor?
0: Frog Thor? I need to watch this show like 10 times
1: for all the Easter eggs. You would have to because there's the Thanos copter is also in there. There's a lot of other stuff.
0: Oh, Thanos copter is there? Like, did I even watch this show or not? No, it's pretty like uh, uh,
1: hidden. Not hidden, but it's in like the uh, background background. Uh, and you don't really see it. There's like a quick shot, but there's lots of things like that. For example, like the
0: last episode only had like so many. It had voices from Bollywood movies, all these famous personalities. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell?
1: Uh, yeah, that was good. That was good. I. That's what I. Uh, one thing I was uh, wanted to talk about is how amazing just like the everything about the show. Like you know, the cinematography, the music, the direction, the just the way it's crafted. It feels so like. Um, you know it's like that's why uh, when I mentioned at the start of the show that this maybe wasn't my favorite show emotionally but it's like it's a immaculately crafted piece of art in, in the same way like it reminded me of my Tenet review you know. like Tenet was a thing like, like more so than uh, like the show like the movie itself I would like to know more about how it was made. It's the same with Loki like Loki is so amazingly made like there's some amazing like for example in episode 3 there's like that one shot that goes through the whole town uh, at the end, that is fantastically done. Uh, just the the whole visuals of the show, the music. Like I've been listening to the score uh, recently; it's amazing. Just everything. Like I can't praise uh, enough. Just like how much uh, the people that worked on it, how how hard they
0: worked on it, and how much time, how much time and care they put into it. You know. That actually reminds me of uh, you know these two special things. Like first of all, that um, alien, which is space and time. Yeah, it would right. have easily been tacky. And I recognize that, and I did not feel that Right, because it's like a giant fart cloud, right? Like, it could have been easily a Rick, Mat- a Rick and Morty episode with, you know, okay, I know it's beautifully animated that show, but again, it would be an animated feeling, right? But the, you know, I did not feel very cringy by that. Like, it felt nice, or editing-wise or whatever, VFX-wise. And then the, on the other end, yes, the whole concept that Anything you do does not matter at the end of disaster. Uh,
1: the variance at uh, apocalypse. Right? Yes,
0: like that was such a unique concept. See, the thing is, you know, right? Whenever, like I have seen, like we have seen so much of sci-fi. There's always something or the other done in one show or the other in one way or the other. And I know you are a more fan of cinematography and all of that. I I have started understanding a bit of it and I appreciate it but I enjoy when these small things come up which I've never ever seen in you know from a story point of view or from a concept point of view and you know that is again something which I'll always
1: Right yeah exactly there's so much uh, new stuff in the show um, regarding time and how uh, the people's aura and what causes a time fracture and um, nexus event and all that stuff it's 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 handled very it's handled in a very interesting way and it doesn't feel like it, it never feels like too ridiculous. Like it feels just grounded enough that you buy into it.
0: Okay, so there's this one confusion I have. You know that uh, main uh, lady character from TVA, the boss lady. What was her name? How can I forget names? Uh, uh Ramona Renslayer. Yeah, Ramona. Like, what's her deal? She was I mean, uh, she was supporting TVA till the end. Like, I understood in the pre, like in the first few episodes because you know even she was in the dark. She did not know she was a variant and all of that. But then towards the end, it's revealed that she was a variant. And it is mentioned that pen that she keeps on fiddling with, it was shown in the first episode. So, it gives me a hint that she knows she's a variant but she's still protecting. I'm like, and then towards the end, you know, there was this whole thing where she asked the minute clock or whatever was that, give me all the materials and she went somewhere. It was never shown where she went. Like, what happened with her? I want to know.
1: What, like, what my guess would be is that uh, she is kind of in, you know, very kind of abusive relationship uh, with, like, with Kang because she knows, what the pen signifies is that she knows she's a variant, right? but she accepts the fact that, uh, you need to have the sacred timeline stuff and the TV and all this bullshit, so that there can be order. So she kind of buys into it because one thing in the comics is that Ravonna and Slayer in the comics is uh, Kang's love interest. Ah, yeah. So it could be that uh, she knows uh, who Kang is. She knows about the whole thing, or she maybe doesn't know yet. But when she finds out, she'll she'll kind of fall in love with him, or she'll kind of uh, buy into his uh, ideology and kind of become like a cult-like follower thing. I don't know, it might be that, uh, who knows what will happen. Because they do ch- They do like to change up characters every now and then. Uh,
0: let's see. Again, this one thing popped up in my head, like, uh, randomly. Like, if we have accepted to, you know, sacrifice a free will with the establishment of governments, who cares about a sacred timeline?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's what it is, like, even though this show operates on such a the cosmic level, it's like, I think it just a little bit falls short to, on connecting with me uh, connecting with me on a not emotional level because I understand everything that like all the hard choices that you know the characters make and why they're making it like what their emotional state is it's just that for me it's like somewhat hard to relate to any of them on a very personal note. because it's it's so large almost in a way
0: true true I get that point yeah because I understand why you know Falcon and Falcon and the Winter Soldier felt very close because first of all no special powers truly there Right, you you just have the sense of I would say courage, spirit, and all of that. It was a different. It was like a whole different genre. I would say, and it also was talking, trying to talk about actual real world issues, right? Correct, correct, true. And uh, similarly with Wanda Vision, like even though there was powers, the entire base of the show was just Wanda's relationship with uh, Vision, and yeah, that is where like, I think
1: <laughs> it deals with like uh, post traumatic depression and you know uh, all this all this sadness and grief and all that. And I'm just like yes. This is this is the show for me.
0: Oh man, I need to take you to a therapist. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you need it. But with Loki, yeah, it was magnanimous, and I think that is why it. I understand it's a double-edged sword. You don't have the personal connect, but then you explore the universe on such a big level, and Marvel has basically opened all windows, like all windows, doors, whatever, black holes, <laughs> like everything, anything, possible on Marvel universe with the multiple timelines. Yeah. But then it also this is the problem, right? I don't know how will Marvel tackle it, and I like hope that they will tackle it good. When you open the villain to be such a big character Okay, I understood Thanos But then you basically broke the multiverse barriers Multiple timelines, multiverses Who is bigger than this? Who is bigger than Kang the Conqueror? Who is the villain in Avengers Phase 5? Like, what happens
1: then? I mean, we still haven't encountered uh, Celestials yet. Like, we encountered one Celestial that was, like, Star-Lord's father. But we still haven't encountered the whole Celestial. uh, But Celestial, again, that Star-Lord's
0: father seemed very meek in front of this guy. That guy was just like, the planet planet is destroyed. This guy is creating timelines.
1: Kind of, kind of. But it's it's different because um, at the end of the day, Kang is still a human, right? Even though he can control the whole fate of time, Kang at the end of the day is a human. Like, there's only so much that he can do. But Celestials, on the other hand, pose like a very um, primordial question of our origin, you know. It's it's more like, um, because I've been reading uh, Neil Gaiman's Eternals right now, because I'm very excited for the Eternals movie. Uh, so, in that, it's it's revealed that the Eternals, humans, that every everyone was essentially created by the Celestials, and nobody knows why. Like, the Celestials are like, they'll visit every couple of thousand years, and uh, they'll check on us and then they'll go away but nobody really knows why they were created why they created the Eternals and the Deviants who are basically like the Deviants are evil and the Eternals are good so why did the Celestials create both like what is the what is the point of existence and this and that so uh, when you go into all that that might be you know Marvel might just go full on philosophical by the time phase 6 rolls around and we might be uh, questioning all of life who knows maybe the real villain is existence all along (laughs) So, just generally speaking, first of all, I just want to talk about, okay, the cinematography of this show, I want to talk about for a few minutes. First of all, the lighting in all the scenes is perfect. So, what one interesting fact about the cinematographer. So, uh, her name is Autumn, uh, Autumn Durald-Arkopov. And uh, I looked it up, she's married to another cinematographer. And that guy, he is one of my favourite cinematographers actually. He's Australian and has worked on a lot of Australian movies. One of the biggest movies uh, that he worked on was, it's, it's a retelling of uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth. And it's like a gritty re- retelling with Michael Fassbender, and that movie you you, sh- you should watch it. It's one of the most beautiful movies ever made. But that's a whole different point. But anyway, like that kind of explains in a way that those guys are married to each other, and that's why they kind of their work is so enhanced in a way. That's why the show looks like it was made for like a a budget that was twenty times what its budget was. Just like small touches, like. Um, the way the lighting works, the way that there's like a haze to the lights, you know. Uh, although, like when there's like neon lighting, when there's, uh, when there, for example, the when that character of Miss Minutes, when she shows up on screen, there's like she has like a glow around her. She has the lighting around her looks very prominent, and the lighting you can see that light on the character's faces. So, just to understand that kind of lighting, just to understand how that will look on camera, that is very technical, very hard to do. And uh, like, I appreciate the amount of effort that they put into it, not to mention all the one-ers and everything, all those fancy shots where the camera is rolling around, you know, uh, going upside down and then turning again and this and that, all that stuff is amazing. Yeah, all these things, you know, the use of color, the uh, all these different colors, the yellows, the greens, the violets, you know, these colors that you normally don't really see in movies. Because movies like to have like an orange-blue kind of uh, tint and you know, basically variations of that. So, all these different colours, seeing all these different colours makes it such a unique show, in a way. You know, it, it really harken, harkens back to old sci-fi and comics as well.
0: I wonder, when would be that day when I understand all of this and appreciate it in its true beauty?
1: I guess you should get into photography then. Because, yeah, a lot of it's just, It just... I, I don't claim to understand a lot about cinematography either, but just because of the fact that... Uh, just because I do a lot of photography, it's like... There's just an aesthetic sense that you kind of get into, like you you can see and look at stuff and you can see what makes it different from like normal stuff, you know, normal movies, and just, then just you know watching YouTube and whatnot.
0: No, but see the thing is, like, all of us understand it in some level or the other. I'm I can for sure guarantee that because obviously you know something is off automatically when you see a scene or yeah. something uh, of that. But it's just that we can't put it in words. But then yeah, that is where you and all of this with these colors and all of that come into play. But again. Uh, I don't know. Like, do you expect any less from Marvel?
1: I mean, not really. I guess I'm surprised that they're uh, they uh, that they're kind of letting people do as much as they want. Like, because I was reading about this show and uh, the way that the director of the show Kate Heron, the way she got the uh, got the job basically, is that uh, she was a big fan of Marvel and Loki and all that stuff. So when the whole thing came up that they were trying to make a Loki show, she created a 60-page document. Uh, detailing her pitch for the show and everything how it would go and all that and she like gave it to marvel and they had like interviews and everything and she got the job uh, over like maybe someone else who might be more famous or more experienced so i like the fact that marvel is taking risks and letting people who are genuinely fans of the product kind of work on the work on the shows in the way that they want to work
0: you know like this gives you hope right i, I can sense that
1: <laughs> i can give nah, its- nah, bro like by the
0: time I get to anything, the Marvel the Cinematic Universe will be long dead. No, but Marvel is just one piece of your dream. Right? There is Dune, there is, you know, there's Far Pavilion. Okay, let's not reveal your secrets. <laughs> Somebody might just okay. take it up. I
1: really enjoy the fact that uh, they're letting creators kind of run wild with their imagination, with their visions and uh, not kind of... You know, not basically stifling them by saying that uh, this is what our shows or this is what Marvel stuff needs to look like or this is what it needs to sound like or this is these are the things we want in the show it's like yeah you have creative freedom do whatever you want pick a genre and then run with it and give it like a slight Marvel spin you know
0: know, I understand why you know there was this whole um, controversy right where some of the biggest directors said that superhero movies and all the genre of movies and all of that this whole but this genre of movies the attraction to these characters that marvel has built is making this young audience and people like myself also were, like who was not aware of these many genres aware of these things like i knew sci-fi exactly yeah yeah but then i got to know about this whole uh, series which falcon took which how uh, this wonder vision took like i would have never watched a love story like even you i i know you recommend me so many uh, shows which are you know more love story oriented these are like really good ones but because it's love story i hate to watch it like i will not watch it like i have this weird uh, rule but because it was Wonder Vision, I was like, yeah, I watched it and I liked it. So, I guess this is how they're trying to do this. And I, I like don't. That's a
1: really nice thing that you bring up. That uh, it's not that superhero movies are dumb. Like they are dumb inherently. Like superheroes and comic books, they are supposed to be dumb. There is nothing. Uh, nobody's claiming that this is like going to give you the answers to life. But the great thing about the MCU is that uh, all of their projects are genre movies that have a comic book uh, element to them or have like a superhero element to them. So like, Vision is like a meta sitcom kind of a show and a love story or a rom-com that happens to have two main characters, one of which is a witch and one of which is a robot. Like, that makes no sense, but the core of it is still like a love story or like dealing with grief and all that. Loki still, like, Loki is a, a quantum leap kind of a show. It's like a Doctor Who kind of a show. It just happens to have the god of mischief. And uh, gang the conqueror, you know stuff
0: like that. I think these things make it more interesting. I don't know. There can be variations to uh, everything, but you know, I think in in the episode with Luca, right? We were discussing that what kind of story would you like to you know make or things like that. Similarly, in yeah. uh, for Raya, we were discussing that you know what are the futures. Similarly, in these cases where there are love stories, but then there is there was never a love story between a witch and a robot. There are sci-fi movies, but there was never a sci-fi movie with time variances where the god of mischief himself took a part
1: in Yeah. Where else are you going to get this content about a Norse god working for a uh, time-traveling uh, agency that looks like it was made in the 60s. Uh, who is <laughs> controlled, the, by controlled, by a, controlled by a human. Controlled by space lizards who are actually <laughs> controlled by a human from the particular <laughs> None of it makes any sense. But it is amazing.
0: I guess this entire episode was just discussing about uh, Loki and the last episode and all of that. We didn't really touch upon on others. I don't know if you could, if I can cover each of these episodes in detail, but just watch it. It was like really, really good.
1: Yeah, essentially like my biggest thing uh, for this show would be like, it is immaculately crafted. The direction is amazing. The cinematography is amazing. The music is out of this world. And uh, yeah, you should just watch it for those reasons. And also, it's it's ridiculous. It's like just like we mentioned, it has absolutely ridiculous things that are uh, the most fun to watch.
0: And if not for all of this, just watch it for the alligator. That will be yeah. Nice. Or just no,
1: like we didn't even mention watch it for Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston is such a great actor. He's come s- s- such a long way. You know like he's great and other stuff but just as loki like uh you know i was uh, watching like interviews uh, and all with him so he's such a nerd at heart like he loves the marvel cinematic universe just as we love it so much so that uh, when the show was being pitched and you had like these new people coming in who maybe did not have who were not really well versed with the mcu uh, tom hiddleston uh, had like a whole lecture series created for them get them up to speed with his character and what was happening with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all, everything that was going on. So that's how much of a nerd this guy is and it really shows in his work. Like he's credited as an executive producer on this uh, show uh, which is a first and you can really see the amount of dedication, the amount of uh, love he has for this character.
0: I can understand that. I like Initially, I watched Tom Edelson in Loki. Like, I got introduced to him. And you never really played too much because he was then, I don't know, a side character. There were other like there was Iron Man, there was Captain America, I don't know how much time, if you would have done an Avengers or let's say an Iron Man review, or, like, one of the reviews, Loki would not be too much in a radar. We would have discussed yeah. him for a sentence or two, but that's it. But after that, I watched him a Nightman. My, like the whole mindset changed about this person, like this person can really act. And then when he came into this uh, series, I'm like totally mind blown. So, yeah, kudos to him. You know, I'll tag him when I'm promoting this episode, Tom Edelstein, if you're just listening, drop by, you know, uh, social media, just ping me. Maybe we can do an episode, you know, talk about the nerdiness. Yeah, that's it. Just small casual friends. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure.
1: <laughs> nice. Maybe give us like uh, spoilers about season 2, we, pro- we promise we won't tell it.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure he gets paid, you know, he-, he gets offered in millions for uh, spoilers. But yeah, this, this, was, this was fun,
1: I guess. I mean, if you guys want, we can do a review for Black Widow because Black Widow was also very good. Uh, if you guys haven't seen it, watch the movie. It's amazing.
0: I liked it a lot. You know what? I'll set the bar. I'll set the, the even if like two people, two different people, come and tell us <laughs> that they want a review of Black Widow. We're gonna do it.
1: Okay. I'll just. I'll just. Uh, after this podcast is over, I'm gonna make two fake.
0: <laughs> two real people. <laughs> okay. Let me qualify my sentence. But with that, thank you guys for listening to this episode. And thank you guys for all the love you've been showing. Um, I just checked, today is what? Uh, 16th of July. We just crossed 9,000 uh, listens from all of you. Oh, we are in, you know, we're in... Over 9,000! And um, hopefully, you know what? In a couple, in what? I think around 15-20 days, we'll reach the 10,000 mark as well. With that, I'm sure we'll have a celebrity episode with all of you guys. Uh, and thank you guys for supporting all of this. Uh, by yes, us all 10,000 of you. Yeah, all buy us a coffee and buy me coffee.com so, or just follow us everywhere and yeah like give us some ideas because you know I really want to try something new review corner is going on gun subs is going on there's so many things but I still want to try something new want to meet unique people talk about something which I've never talked about in the past what I don't know 80 or 85 or so episodes so yeah me. but with that thank you everyone we'll catch you in the next one Bye. bye thank you for listening to this episode Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper.